Hello, this is the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson, Director of Communications at the Michigan Department of Transportation. As you no doubt know, Metro Detroit and much of Michigan experienced torrential downpours Friday and Saturday, leading to flooding and overwhelming the pumps that clear water from the freeways. This week, I'll be speaking with Rob Morosi in the Michigan Department of Transportation's Metro Region about why these extreme weather events are so hard on transportation systems. So, as promised, I'm here with Rob Morosi, who's a senior media relations representative for MDOT and a, a veteran of talking to media about all kinds of issues related to mobility in Southeast Michigan, including what happens when we get deluges of historic proportions like we did this past weekend and you know what it means and why it, it causes the problems that it does on the freeways. Rob, thanks for being here. My pleasure, Jeff. Thank you for having me. So talk a little bit first before we get into some of the creative things that MDOT is doing to look ahead. Um, about what you've seen with these issues over the years and the, the kind of unique uh, nature of recessed freeways in Metro Detroit that we really don't have a lot of in the rest of the state. Yeah, I think that really kind of sets Metro apart from the remainder of the state in terms of being able to manage these uh, rain events that just really are catastrophic to a certain degree. I mean, they really are. We're not just talking about the inconvenience of a flooded freeway and a closed freeway and, you know, people needing to get to work or point A to point B and commercial uh, travel being affected. We're really talking about people's lives being affected uh, in local communities. And we have been working with local communities throughout the design of our large freeway projects. And one of the things that people that you know, I hope people would recognize is that when we're doing a project that is a simple resurfacing or something along those lines, there's not much attention paid to utilities. You're just getting in there and milling off the top part of the roadway and creating a smoother surface, which is safer for the public, but really doesn't do much for the utilities. Where we can make improvements, where we can do something is when we're doing full rebuilds. Those are much more expensive, but the fact is, is when you're doing a rebuild, it's kind of like a blank slate in a sense where you can do some uh, pretty ingenious things with uh, utilities such as drainage, electrical, et cetera. Well, so before we get into to that and some specifics, um, I mean, just just talk about the historic proportion of these events. I mean, in 2014, we had one similarly that uh, shut down freeways, caused major floodings, overwhelmed the pumps, the power to the pumps, the ability to get water out to the outlets, you know, the swollen creeks and swollen rivers that can only take so much water so quickly. And now here it is seven years later, and these are supposed to be 500 to 1,000 year events. And we know we're gonna see more of them. We know that this is why the Biden administration is talking about building for resiliency and why even Republican Senator Bill Cassidy was on Meet the Press Sunday talking about the need to build for resiliency and how it would help in coastal states like his home in Louisiana. Um, what, what, what did you say? What, what, what's your latest on the, the, the amount of rainfall you got in Metro Detroit over the weekend? You know, it, that's, that's always tough to pinpoint because you see things posted on social media, whether by communities or by individuals. But generally speaking, we are looking anywhere from six to seven and a half inches of water that fell really less than 24 hours. It started Friday afternoon or Friday morning and was done by Saturday morning. 
But when you're looking at that capacity of water just coming in and not just on the freeways, but also on the surface streets, also uh, on residential streets. And again, as you mentioned, flowing into rivers, flowing into creeks, flowing into streams that really haven't even crested yet. And you're sitting there and you're expected to pump more water into a system that's already overwhelmed. It's just not going to work. So it, it there comes a point when we're reaching these catastrophic events more frequently. And I, I'm happy that the Biden administration is talking about resiliency and others are talking about it because green infrastructure may be one of the ways that we can help combat these uh, catastrophic events. Again, it's one thing to inconvenience motorists, but we're also talking about homeowners and people's lives that are tremendously impacted by these events. So the I-75 modernization um, north of town in, in Oakland County, um, major innovations included in that. You've been deeply involved in that. Um, I mean, some of the innovations even include the method of financing the project. But one of the, the best things about this is this, uh, this drainage tunnel, which will eliminate the need for some of those pumps. Is that right? That's correct. Actually, we're talking a four mile stretch. So the, the section of the I-75 modernization project that will have the drainage tunnel is the portion of the freeway that is recessed below street level. That's from eight mile up to 12 mile. And we are building this drainage tunnel that in all for all intents and purposes has the capacity to hold catastrophic rain events and then discharge at a reduced rate. Now, the, this tunnel is essentially 14 and a half feet in diameter. It's four miles long, but being 14 and a half feet in diameter in that length, we're able to hold close to 25, 26 million gallons of water. And the, the benefit of that is that it allows us to store that water during catastrophic events until the local system is able to catch up and then allows us to actually control the discharge rate into the Oakland County facility, which is located right at 12 mile in I-75, which is one of the reasons this tunnel works so well is that capacity and that facility is right there where the uh, tunnel ends. But that to me is the greatest advantage of this drainage tunnel is the ability again to contain that much freeway water without piling on, if you will, when the local uh, municipal system is draining into that facility. And I'll include some images of what that looks like with the show notes so that people can get an idea. That's gonna make a huge difference in that area. We've also got plans in the works for a major modernization of I-94 right, right through town. And MDOT has worked very closely with the community and the neighbors on that footprint um, and you know made some modifications to accommodate you know multimodal users done some really good things I, I know you've told me i think that a tunnel just wouldn't work there for logistical reasons but are there other things that you could do to you know to handle the drainage yeah absolutely and that's and part of it is actually just modernizing the drainage system i mean you're looking at a freeway that when it was originally built in the city of detroit started in the late 1940s and continued through the 50s. So you're looking at a drainage system that is well beyond the years for a freeway. Uh, it, it's really beyond its useful life. So the ability to not only replace it, but to put in some uh, what we would consider cutting edge 
uh, type of systems, which really revolves around green infrastructure. So we're looking right now, looking at the Connor area of I-94. We're going to completely upgrade that interchange. Right now, it is a very convoluted interchange, two separate bridges for eastbound and westbound Connor Avenue. We're going to condense that. You know, the loop ramps will be replaced with straight line ramps. So we're going to open up in that area quite a bit of green space. So right now we're working with Eagle, Great Lakes Water Authority, Detroit Water and Sewage, the city itself to look at creating more green infrastructure that would allow for some of the discharge to take place and to drain naturally and not compromise the local community system. So that those are some of the things that we're looking at. Unfortunately, we did look at the potential for a tunnel on 94. And as you mentioned, the logistics just weren't there. 75, completely different story with that facility right where the drainage tunnel ends. That doesn't exist on, along 94 in the city. So we had to kind of switch gears and look at other innovative options such as green infrastructure. And that's one of the things that we're pretty excited about, uh, which will help not only get the freeway drained, but also help the local community. Well, that's a good explanation. And, uh, you know, in the short term, I know that the folks in your region are working really hard to get 94 lanes reopened. It was bad enough that it's taking a while for the water to recede. Now we're finding out that there was some pavement that buckled and some other issues, I think, with some manholes and things. And it always takes a while to sweep these and, and clean up the debris after this kind of flooding because, you know, God knows what makes its way onto the freeway when they yeah, become. It's Sorry to interrupt, but one of the things that people also need to keep in mind is we have to remove probably enough vehicles to fill half a car lot. A lot of stranded vehicles that were underwater that need to be towed out. And as you mentioned, all the sweeping and then then the real inspection comes in when uh, all the water recedes. So it's a process, but I hope people know that we are uh, really focused on doing everything in our power to open 94 as soon as possible, but more importantly, to open it safely. Open it safely and address the, the immediate problem even while you keep an eye on the longer term problem and what the solutions are. So thanks. Um, thank you to you and, and Diane Cross, the media relations representative down there who I know has been busy all weekend talking to the media and I, I appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Doubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation. Mm-hmm.